Did the kids look at you and say, I wonder how long she's going to be here? <laughs> I think so. They used to say, like, uh, they haven't said it for a while, but they used to say things like, when you and Carolyn break up, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 159 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Welcome, one and welcome all. David, I forgot to tell who won the scholarship last week. Oh, does that mean we got two? Yes, that's what it means. (laughs) So the winner of the Nacho Kids Academy Scholarship courtesy of Linda Dunham, is Bianca G. and Wilson. All righty. Is that like the guy on TV that all you see is his eyes over the fence? No, I don't think that's him. (laughs) It's the only Wilson I know. So Bianca G. and Wilson, check your email and we will get you started in the Nacho Kids Academy. Yep. We'll see you on the inside. See you on the inside. Okay. What we got going on, David? What we got going on? Nothing. Okay. Our guest today. (laughs) (laughs) We got stuff going on, but we can't talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Our guest today is Carolyn. She has been blending for three years, has stepdaughter nine, stepdaughter 11, and stepdaughter 13 full time. Also has bio son 21, bio son 17, and bio daughter 14. They have the, the stepkids full-time because bio mom passed away when the baby was six weeks old. Mm. Very sad. The hardest part of blending for her has been learning how to deal with emotional triggers. Oh, yeah. It's not easy, folks, but once you can identify them and learn to avoid them or cope with them better... It can be life-changing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Best advice, keep communication open and focus on your marriage or relationship with your significant other. Oh, I definitely wholeheartedly agree. Something unique, one of her bio kids and one of her stepkids have the same name. Oh, my goodness. That's got to be fun. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cute. All right, David, so let's talk about something. What's on your mind? Going to get ice cream. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's this place in town, y'all, that has strawberry cheesecake ice cream, and it's so good. And David happened to say after we got through eating dinner, hey, let's go get ice cream. So it said it was closed on Facebook, but I happened to call. (laughs) And I said, what time do you close? Are you mean to tell me you can't trust Facebook? (laughs) No, you can't trust Facebook. (laughs) What was that? Somebody was telling me the other day, said... Uh, they were talking about something, and I heard the other person go, it's got to be true. It was on Facebook. <laughs> I was like, I hope they're just being, like, joking around when they say that. Was that when I said that about the weather, that your dad said it was going to be really hot next week? And I said, it's true. I saw it on Facebook. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, it's going to be hot here next week. In the hundreds, folks, in the hundreds. Mm-hmm. Lori don't like to sweat. You don't sweat. You glisten. It's called sweat. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a sprinkler. Makes me want to move somewhere that's like 77 degrees all year around. Like Hawaii. Is it 77 degrees all year around there? No. What? The- <laughs> no, man. 
<laughs> I don't know what it is all year round. I know it's comfortable though. All right. So what's going on? What's going on? I can't talk about any of the things going on in my life right now. Yeah, that's right. We can't. <laughs> and we're going to have listeners going, what? What is it? What is it? Yeah. Until until all the next of kin are notified. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds horrible. <laughs> I mean, but that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully your next of kin don't listen to this. Yeah. I, I don't think they do. But, but sure enough, they would. Yep. If we said something. Yep. So in the next few weeks, we have a surprise for y'all. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> no promises on this one. <laughs> yeah. David, you, you can't be vague like this with our listeners because that's crappy. That's like somebody saying, hey, David. Oh, never mind. I can't tell you. Well, that's what that's I'm doing. Wrong. Hey, y'all. Guess what? I can't tell you. <laughs> this might be one of those ones where you just have to nacho. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'll tell y'all once the next of kins have been we'll, we'll only tell those in the academy. That's it. We're not telling everybody on podcast. <laughs> David, that's crazy. <laughs> you can't be like that. That's rude, crude, and socially unacceptable. Sounds exactly like how I want to be. It sounds like you. <laughs> it definitely sounds like you. <laughs> Since I'm a toxic person. <laughs> oh, the step... Family Summit is coming up. That's right, yeah. With Claudette. It's coming up in September, folks. Not long. Oh, my gosh. That just... Is it really September? Not that far away? Like well, July, it's right? June. Yeah. What, three months? Yeah. And we got a lot of work to do for that. Jeez Louise, man. This year's flying. It is. The older you get, the faster time flies. Seems that way, don't it? Great words of Paul Brown. <laughs> All right, folks. Apparently, David don't have a lot to say, and that might not be a bad thing. So let's just get to listening. No. But first, he's got to tell us about the Nacho Kids Academy. I can't even tell you about that. Yes, you can. <laughs> you can tell people that we teach them to identify their triggers and help them to cope with them or avoid them. And we help them change their thinking and be more positive and just better their life. Yeah. Everything she said, and then some. And then some. And if you join today, we'll even send you a coupon for ice cream. <laughs> now I'm going to have somebody email me and say I joined today and I didn't get no coupon for no ice cream Well the coupon's going to be for the ice cream place here in town <laughs> <laughs> Well good, then they can come hang out with us I know <laughs> Yeah Well I tell you what, if you join and you make your way to where we live By the end of the year, I'll buy you ice cream <laughs> Oh Lord, David you go. Lancaster going to have a lot of tourism this year. I can feel it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> a little ice cream shop will be like, what's happening? All these people from all over the world is coming. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> all right, folks. He's going to get off the chain, I can tell. So let's go. All right. Let's get to listening. Today, we have stepmom, Carolyn. Hey, Carolyn. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks for coming. David's here, <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah, I'm here. Hi, David. Hey. <laughs> Lord helps all I got to say. Hey. <laughs> He's gonna be like, hey Carolyn. <laughs> say my name. Shut up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry folks, this has been a very interesting day so far. <laughs> Carolyn, how long have you been blending? Uh, I've been blending for three years. And how many stepkids, bio kids, hours kids? 
I have three biological children and my partner has three biological children. So I have two boys and a girl and he has three girls. Wow. And how old are they? Well, my, my eldest son is 21. Then I have a 17-year-old son and then a 14-year-old daughter. And my partner's children are 13. She's, she's a daughter. And then the next one is 11. And then the youngest daughter is nine. So, and we don't have any um, ours children. Okay. So do your older sons still live with you? Uh, my eldest son is at university in, in a different town. And so the rest of the kids live with us. So we have five kids in our house full time. And four of them are girls. Mm. And four of them are girls. Right. And only two of them are teenagers. <laughs> yeah. It's about to get real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're about to brace ourselves. Man, you know, David having four boys and me having one, I was so thankful that none of neither one of us had girls. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because girls right. are a whole different creature. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's probably why he married you, because he wanted some boys in the family. Maybe. <laughs> well, the thing is, <laughs> he did say to me he always wanted a son, and I think he's really embraced the fact that I've got boys and he gets to spend time with the boys. So that's nice. But, yeah, in some ways I feel like I can relate to girls pretty well because I am one of five kids and I have three sisters so we, you know, we had one brother and the rest of us are girls and, and I'm a school teacher and I tend to, um, I find it easier to teach the girls and I do the boys and I, I love teaching the boys, but they're definitely not as familiar to me as a girl. So hopefully, I mean, I'm speaking with ignorance here. Hopefully it might help a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing great. Well, I just based that off of my niece. She's very clingy and very needy. So uh-huh, I couldn't uh-huh. imagine if David and I had girls. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it plus, can be tricky. All the imp- inappropriate stuff David says, you what, know. I, what are you talking about? <laughs> I never say anything inappropriate. Yeah, because I edit it all out. <laughs> it's because you're a button pusher, David. Oh, she's a listener. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> she knows you, David. <laughs> oh, she got my card. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so how does it feel having all these kids? I mean, I know you had three yourself, but then... Now, you have four at the home, but obviously you had five at one time, six at one time. Sorry, you've got five at home now. Yeah, no, it feels good. I think I always wanted to have a large family, but when I was married to my ex-husband, you know, after three children, it just it felt like that was enough because, you know, I actually didn't really enjoy being pregnant and it was just was, it felt like it was fine. But And part of me was always thought I would have a large family. So when I blended with my partner, now it just it feels good, you know. We actually we embrace having a large family, which is, I think, probably one of our strengths. Yeah. Good. Mm. I love that. Yeah, it's good for us. I think you need to have that attitude, otherwise you just you would feel too flustered and too busy and like you weren't in control, you know. Yeah, you'd feel defeated. That's it. Overpowered and <laughs> yeah, well, outnumbered. I, I think once you get to three kids, it's almost like eh, what's a few more. But when it's you're true. like Lori, she comes in with one kid. So going from one to five, she's freaking out. Yeah, that, was a, that must have been intense, Lori, because I know my partner had dated a, a number of women previously who had had one child. And, you know, it, for them, it was too much, you know. So I understand that. That must yeah. have been hard for you, Lori. It was very, very hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, what's one more? But then, mm-hmm. but then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. We're just, we just, we think 
we've got our blinkers on, don't we, before we enter these things. Mm-hmm. Well, how yeah. often do you have your kids and how often are the stepkids there? So the stepkids, they live with us full time because their mum sadly passed away. She um, she passed away when the youngest was only six weeks old. Oh, gosh. So, yeah. Yeah, she had um, cancer and she um, she didn't know that she was going to die, but it was only, you know, the day after that she had the baby that she learned that. So they had a very short time to um, to deal with that. And then, yeah, so that was a real sadness for them. I just can't imagine. That's horrible. Yeah, it is horrible. And, you know, New Zealand is quite a small place, so it's it's often a tight-knit community depending on where you're from. And, you know, the community really rallied around the family and my partner and his family and also his late wife's family. You know, everybody was really supportive. So in, in that way, it's nice. But a lot, a, a large number of people knew about my partner and, and what he was going through just because, you know, stories go around and it was in the newspaper and those kinds of things. So he did get a lot of support. So, yeah, we have the daughters. We have his girls all the time. And they sometimes spend time with their mum's family on the farm in the holidays usually. They go down to their mum's home, which is on a farm, and they love that. And I think for them it's a real place of connection. Mm-hmm. So that's really nice. And, um, of course, her parents just lap up any time with the girls, which is wonderful. And and my children, they see their father in the holidays and the odd long weekends because he lives quite far away. He lives a good six-hour drive away, so at times it's it's not that easy to just hop in the car and see the kids. So, yeah, we have the kids full-time, basically. Yeah. So with your ex living six hours away, who moved, you or him? So at the moment, I'm living in a different town that I was living in when I um, separated from my husband. And... He moved away. He he wasn't in a very good place when we separated, and so he moved away. And I think that was good for him, because it gave him time to heal and, you know, just be himself again. So at that, at that time, he moved away. That actually worked out, I guess, in my favour in terms of when I wanted to move in with my partner, because in New Zealand, you need to get permission if you want to move towns from your part from the partner of your parent um, of your children. So I didn't really have any issues there because he had already moved away. So. So that was quite good in some respect. I could move away. And so I'm not any further away, though. I kind of just moved moved along the map rather than down. So I'm, I'm not any further away from him. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, that's really good that in New Zealand you have to have the partner's permission to move. It's great. It's great. And I think for lots, sometimes for people that can feel restricted, but it's awesome for the kids. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I had something similar like to that in my court papers my divorce mm-hmm. papers that in custody mm-hmm. papers that neither of us could live. I think it was more than 30 miles away okay. or something like that without, you know, basically going back to court or something like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, mine was similar. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, you know, cause I didn't know exactly where their mom would end up, you know, landing. <laughs> and, and so right. I was always afraid that she would end up, you know, Going next door. Yeah. Go, well, no, I wasn't worried about that, but I was worried that she would you know, drive, you know, go like four states away or something. Yeah. <laughs> and and you I, don't want that for your kids. No, no. So, um, yeah. well, and another reason it's really good is because I spoke to a lady earlier and her husband's ex moved like an hour away. And I said, did, she have to get permission through the court order. She said, no, the court order basically said she could move where she wanted to. Wow. Wow. And obviously yeah. he didn't realize how big of a deal that was until she'd moved. Mm. Well, and, you know, in some ways, 
it was sad for my kids because I think at the time when, especially for my daughter, she was young, she was only seven. And I think she didn't really verbalize this to me, but I felt it that she really struggled with the fact that her, her dad could move away, you know, so that, that was tricky. I think she really clung to me. And I think that's how I got the message that she felt that difficult because she was, you know, she was constantly by my side. And I think for her, she felt that loss, you know, that a parent could go. And, right. And that's, yeah, that that was really difficult for her. You know, we do talk about her feelings a lot, and and I think that's been good for her over you know over time. And as you grow up, you, you sort of come to understand a few things that you don't necessarily think about when you're younger. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. What about the the younger kids with your significant other? How did they deal, or are they still dealing with the loss of their mom? Because one thing that people don't often understand is that even if mom's passed away the role of mom is not available still mm. in most cases. And so it's, you still can't come in and go, I know your mom's not here anymore. And so I'm going to step into this role. Many times that's not something you can still do because mom's still a thing, you know? <laughs> that's exactly right. I think for the younger two, well, actually the eldest remembers her mum the most. She was four when her mum passed away. And so she's, you know, she has quite a few memories of her mum. And um, the the second daughter, she was two. So she has maybe, she has a few memories and perhaps she looks at photos and thinks she remembers a bit more, but the youngest doesn't really have any memories. But definitely for the for the eldest daughter, she, she really struggles. She feels that loss and she has a deep sadness that her mum isn't here. And, you know, I think because she also, she looks like her mum and lots of people tell her she's like her mum. And, you know, for her, I sometimes feel that she wants to live her life for her mum. And I'm, I feel like part of my role is to encourage her to just, you know, act as if she's living a life that her mum would want her to live rather than she, she, you know, she's trying to make up for all the time her mum isn't here. And that can be really hard. But yeah, getting back to what you said about there not being a space for me being the mum, when I moved in, I ignorantly thought, yes, I will be a great mum to those girls. But the youngest, maybe she looks at me like a mother figure, but the other two, I'm just a woman in the house with their dad, you know, and they don't need me to be their mum and their mum is in heaven. And she is, you know, she still lives in their hearts and that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I just can't imagine. And I know this happens a lot, actually, where the birth mom will die not long after the kid's born for whatever reason, whether it's a brain aneurysm, cancer, whatever it may be. And I just can't imagine growing up always longing for your mom. Mm, I, and I really think that the eldest daughter, she feels that. It's a deep sadness. And, you know, every, especially every Mother's Day or every when it's her mother's birthday or the anniversary of her death, she gets quite sensitive about things that other people say. For example, you know, she's 13 now. She And it's quite common to, if you're that way inclined you might whinge and moan to your friends about your mum you know and she really struggles with that because she would give anything to be mad at her mum you know and she Mm -hmm. can't Mm -hmm. but like I say to her well you know darling you just have to pretend that you actually can you can whinge and moan about me if you want to like I must be annoying to you at times why don't you just you know you kind of have to rewire yourself to say hey well yeah I get annoyed at her too she is really annoying sometimes rather than it's directed at your mum because she would love to be annoyed at her mum Yeah. You bring up an excellent mindset point, which is Mm. oftentimes when we look at things like 
the stepkids are driving me crazy or the dirty dishes or the dirty clothes. There are some people that would say, I wish my kid was here to throw dirty clothes on the floor. Yes. I, I wish I could fuss at them. I, I wish. And sometimes you have to almost put yourself in, in that place just for a few minutes, just so you go, you know what? This is not as big of a deal as I'm making it. And I just need to, to be glad that things are the way they are and, and put, give it the proper weight, emotional weight, and move on. That's true. And I was listening to another one of your podcasts, Laurie, and you said you need to be grateful sometimes when you hear your, your spouse, for example, or when you were saying you heard David say something about your kids, you actually need to be grateful that they're thinking about those things. <laughs> because, you know, like it's those sorts of things you think, oh, well, I wish you noticed them about your own kids. But even if they're noticing them, you know they're noticing them. So you've got to be grateful for it. You have to turn it around, don't you? Mm. Yes, you do. And, mm. you know, I know, and I say this all the time, it may seem drastic for you to say, yes, I'm glad that my stepkids can grab a Sharpie marker and draw all over my white leather couch. <laughs> but again, there's somebody out there that would die to have 10 minutes with their kid to watch them scribble on a couch. And I know that's extreme. And I know that doesn't ease the struggles that other people are going through. But if you put yourself in that perspective, sometimes it lets you regroup and go, wait a minute. If somebody came to me today and said that my stepkid had terminal cancer, would I still be upset about that couch? No. No. If you would, something's wrong. That's it. Yeah. And it gives you perspective. And and that's how we learn empathy empathy too, isn't it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Because our suffering is... It's great. And, you know, for the girls, especially the eldest, her suffering is pretty great. Yeah. And that's, what, nine years ago? Isn't that right? Yes. Yeah. So after nine years and, and, you know, it just goes to show that things like that, they don't, they don't just go away. And even when it's a divorce thing, you know, some mm-hmm. people still make that mistake of saying, well, they've been divorced for several years now and I can move in and I can take on this role mm-hmm. of being their mom. And you can't. You know, it doesn't matter when the person leaves or passes away or we've seen people where the mom is, you know, just disappears. That She's not passed away or anything. She just doesn't. She chooses yeah, not to be there. Yeah, chooses not to be there, uh, has drug addiction issues, just all these things. And the kids are left sitting there struggling with my mom's still there, you know, internally. Mm. And this other lady who's my stepmom is trying to take her role and that's not available. <laughs> right. That's it. I remember when I was studying at university and I took a community and family studies paper, which is basically social work. And I listened to a lady and we had we had these things called, you go to a lecture and then you go to a tutorial. So it's kind of a smaller class and you talk about the lecture and you talk about your assignments and bits and pieces, things that are coming up. And one of the ladies there, she talked about the fact that she was a child of divorce and that she was from quite an abusive family. And on the outside, she said it looked as if she would be much better off without her parents because she was actually put in foster care. But she said she she didn't feel like that. She desperately wanted her mum and dad and to be in that environment again, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's sad. Well, it is sad, but you, I mean, it's, it's just, just that blood is thicker than water, you know? It's just that connection that you just can't take away from someone. Right. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I know my mom passed away seven years ago. Yeah, seven years ago. And then my sister passed away five years ago. 
And I remember after my mom died, Branson asked David, like, is Lori not over this yet kind of thing? I mean, I don't remember exactly how he said it. And he didn't mean it disrespectfully. But he's thinking she's been dead a year. Why is she still crying sometimes or whatever time frame it was? You never stop grieving for those that you love that are not in your life in one way or another. They're just, they're with you. And I think you just long for a hug, don't you? That's yes. all you want. Yep. You yeah. do. You're right. Or, you know, you pray at night to dream about them. I know. And if you do, isn't it so lovely? No, because my mama still <laughs> fusses at me. <laughs> oh, funny. She does. I'm not kidding. I'll tell David, I'll say, I dreamed about mama. She was fussing at me for not knowing this or not knowing that or whatever. Don't I? Yeah. Yeah. But well, it you does. You should be grateful for that, Lori. Yes, I, I am grateful. I am grateful. But it does make me wonder, though, do you grieve because they're gone or do you grieve because of what you didn't do or did do while they were alive? All of the above. You know what I'm saying? Is I mean, I, I, I've been fortunate that I've not suffered a lot of family loss in my life, which is good, but it's also going to be bad because it's probably all going to happen in, <laughs> within a short time frame because, yeah. I, you know, my great grandmother i mean my grandmother excuse me my grandmother's 95 no she's older than 95 Six, she's closer to 100 than 90 so she's 96 or 97 and honestly i don't see her slowing down anytime soon no <laughs> she, she's uh, gonna outlive us yeah and i've had some other grandparents on my my mom's side that passed and um i don't know i don't i, I guess i don't have as Hard of a time with passing, mm-hmm. and maybe it's just because of my faith that I don't have a hard of a time with it. I don't know. Well, and it, there's a difference when your grandparents die and a sibling or a parent. Mm. And you asked the reason that you're grieving. Well, with my mom, for instance, it's because of the bad things we went through. Mm-hmm. The things I wish I could have, would have, should have said or didn't say or you know, whatever, but also like Jackson growing up, she's not seeing those things. So when there's a milestone in your life, you miss them because they're not there to share that with you. Or when I'm sad and I need to complain about my husband, I can't call my mama no more. <laughs> well, there was there's no reason to call your mom if that's why you're calling. That's it, David. She's going to yeah. tell you to suck it up. <laughs> but like the, you know, the oldest stepdaughter here, she was four. So she made the memory she had, I doubt, or, oh, yeah, I made my mom mad and she fussed at me and I wish mm-hmm. that wouldn't have happened. I doubt those are her memories. But no, she's still longing for to share her life with her mom. That is actually, that's lovely for her. But actually at times it's difficult for me because I'm competing with this golden angel mother who who she has no difficult memories of, you know. And yes. for me, when I had to come in, you know, especially before I found you guys, the Nacho Method, I really struggled with that because I, I was doing a lot of the parenting I wished that her mother could do, you know. And I often asked my partner to communicate that to her and say, could you please talk to her and say, hey, if your mum was here, She's on the same wave as Carolyn, you know, like this, she would be saying this. You, you don't remember those things, but she was saying those things. Like, yeah. you know, picking up your clothes off the floor and those kinds of things, just normal parenting stuff. Yeah. It's funny how when somebody passes away, 
they were the greatest gift to the world. They were always happy. They never complained. They never fussed at anybody. Life was just great. It was all rainbows and unicorns. Mm -hmm. And that is not the truth. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that that mom got frustrated with that little girl at some point. Maybe Mm -hmm. even popped her hiney for doing something wrong. And she just, but she's not going to remember that. She's not. And you're right. You're in competition with a saint, basically. You've got it. And I am definitely no saint. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. that's Do the kids have any issues with each other because of that? Like, does the youngest one look at the oldest girl and say, well, you're lucky you've got memories. I don't know. I don't even know her. Or, you know, please tell me about her. Or, you know, is there any difficulties like that? No, not at all. And, and, you know, for the youngest, she has no idea what it's like to live with a mum. So for her, there's there's no sadness there. Yeah. And it, it's progressive. It's kind of on a scale. The middle daughter gets has a little bit of sadness, but not really, because she she's only got fleeting memories, really, of her mother. Right. And and I think also, too, with the eldest, she's naturally an empathetic, sympathetic kind of girl. So she's, she's attaching to that as well. So, it, you know, yeah. it's personality type as well as you know, age and stage, I suppose. But yeah, the youngest, they never really argue about their mother. It's really just a lovely conversation, you know, about her. Yeah. Well, you you bring up another good point, which is when, you know, when kids are born into something, they don't know the difference, but we do. And Mm -hmm. and we see this sometimes when people have ours kids, they'll say something like, you know, they're going to notice that the stepson is able to not do their chores and they're going to notice this and it's, and they're going to feel this way about it. And I'm, and the, there's a lot of speculation there because honestly, they don't know any different, you know, they, they they're going to be story. right. Right. They don't know that there's differences happening. You do because you, you know, you realize those things, but for them, like this is normal. This is their normal life and has always been. Well, I think mm-hmm. chores they would notice, but well, <laughs> I know what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. So well, are you the first stepmom that they've had? I am, but because my partner had a business where he traveled away at times in the weekends and bits and pieces like that, he actually from an early age, maybe from when the baby was six months old, he had au pairs come in. So before I came along, the girls had 14 different au pairs. Wow. Yeah, which was a lot. And, for you know, in some ways it was lovely because – they're open, welcoming girls to everybody. They are used to people coming in and out of their home and they're just so open and they, they're not nervous in a social situation or anything like that. They're very welcome and loving girls. But on the other side of that, for me, I felt like there was, a, there was little inconsistency when it came to the, the typical jobs that, you know, mothers or the roles that mothers would take on. They were, they, they were just all over the show. And my bad coming in was that I came and thought, right, I'm going to sort this out and this and this and this. And how did that go for you? (laughs) Well, a thing like if I give you an example of the sorts of things that I found were inconsistent were things like there was often no hand towel in the bathroom. So the girls would go to the bathroom and then wash their hands and then they would just walk down the hall and shake their hands, (laughs) you know, because, and to me, I was like, well, no, please don't take offense, David. It's a very blokey thing. Like, oh, well, there's no towel. I'll just shake my hands, you know. And and that was normal for them to just walk away and shake their hands. So they could be anywhere and be shaking water all over the place. And whereas I, I was like, okay, well, that's definitely something I need to fix, which is not a big deal. But so now we have a hand towel in the bathroom. 
Yes. Well, you know, you said that being kind of blokey. <laughs> Most boys don't wash their hands at all. So, <laughs> right. I know. I was just. I think there's a lot of things that are, they're actually quite lovely. You know, they're, they're daughters of a bloke. Mm-hmm. My girls. No, they are. Well, you can't but, use toilet paper. Have you tried to dry your hands with toilet paper? It's impossible. Well, that's right. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but they could also go get a hand towel. That's, that's yeah, too I far. I don't even think they knew the difference between a tea towel and a hand towel because when I, even when I had a hand towel in the kitchen for drying hands, they would use the hand towel to dry the dishes. You know, they just didn't know. Oh, there's a difference? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to get you more culturized, honey. Yeah. I was at a meeting earlier today, and these people were talking Uh about catering, and they're talking about, I don't even know the words. There were some of these words they were using and talking about different kind of napkins and for different kind of things. I'm like, seriously, y'all? Just grab a big old roll of bounty paper towels. You don't need napkins? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's one of the differences between girls and boys sometimes, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So you've got something unique with your blend. Yes, we do. Share that with us. Well, uh, two of our daughters have the same name. Oh, goodness. Yeah. I think this is a first. Really? Yes, I think so. Well, it actually goes further than that, and it's kind Uh of creepy. Well, I I don't know if it's creepy (laughs) or not, but so both of our daughters have the same name. They're both called Sophia, Mm -hmm. and my daughter, her nickname is sometimes Fifi, so we get around that in the house by calling her Fifi, and then... My partner's late wife, her parents have the same name as names as my parents. Oh, wow. I know. That That's is creepy. Weird. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, so, with the 14 all pairs, is that how you say it? All, all pairs. All pairs. All all pair, pairs. Yeah, yeah. All pair. Did the kids look at you and say, I wonder how long she's going to be here? <laughs> I think so. They used to say, like, uh, they haven't said it for a while, but they used to say things like, when you and Carolyn break up, Dad. <laughs> You know, and I was like, um, Hamish's like, that's never going to happen. And I was thinking, you know, no, it's not. But, you know, you can only really give them the test of time, can't you, to undo that? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Um, how did that make you feel when they said that? You know, because we can laugh about it because we're on the other right. side of it. But I'm sure part of you, you're like, that kind of hurt. Well, I, I, to be honest, I feel like my partner is so genuine and I could tell that he really just he just was embracing having a partner. And I think when you move in with somebody, it's not a, just a fly by the night decision. It's quite a serious decision. So we had made that choice and I felt like you know, this was a genuine thing that we were going to move forward with. So it didn't bother me so much. And I understood from the girl's perspective, they have had people come and go, why would they think any differently? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I yeah. would think that it would make it a little bit of a challenge in the beginning for them to want to have a relationship with you because they're just waiting for you to leave. Yeah. It's like, well, every time I try to have a relationship with somebody and get to know them, they, they leave. And so why would I want to spend any time with this new lady? (laughs) Yeah, maybe. And I, I think, you know, they're so, as I said before, they're, they're pretty open girls. So they, they just kind of just go with the flow and are happy to have a good time. And they, I didn't really attach too much to that. And I think that's probably because of their dad. He's like that. You know, he's just welcoming and he's, he just doesn't really, you know, he doesn't sweat the small stuff so much. So I think they're, they're like that too. So that's been good. Okay. So when you came in, you were going to save the world. You were going to be the mom that these kids didn't have and make their life great again. What happened? Well, I felt like a psycho. 
<laughs> it was so hard. And, and you know, I'm a school teacher. So in my head, I was thinking, I'm all over this. I understand children's behavior. This is, it'll be tricky at times. And I'd only talked to one other couple who had come from a blended family before. I didn't know a lot of blended families. And I talked to one couple who they were friends with my mom and they just kind of, I remember it now, they kind of gave each other this knowing look when I had <laughs> said I was moving in with my partner. And I was like, it'll be fine. We're both school teachers, you know, we know. And yeah, it, it was so difficult. I th- I was so, I mean, I learned about myself. I knew I was a sensitive person, but I didn't realize how sensitive I was. Things used to just send me over the edge. I would take things so personally, the little things that they said for, you know, just even, well, for example, what my stepdaughter, one of them said to me once, oh, Carolyn, you've had your hair cut. Mm, it's short, isn't it? Oh, why did you get it cut like that? And I just was, I don't know. I mean, normally if I wasn't so emotional, I probably would have gone, hmm, obviously you're not feeling like you're not giving me a 10 out of 10 for my haircut. <laughs> right. And <laughs> I just, I got upset about it and I, I talked to Hamish and I said, you got to talk to your daughter. This is not okay. It's like, it's hurtful. And little things like that, I, I really got quite hurt by some of the things that the girls said. Yeah. And so I've had to learn to get a bit of a backbone. Yes. It's not for the faint of heart, is it? <sighs> no, it is not. We're always learning. Yes. So did you come in and try to parent them? Yes. Yes, I did. And it wasn't until I really discovered you guys that I sort of had this epiphany where I was like, oh, there's some truth in this. You know, I'd heard about disengaging before and I thought, "Mm, I'm not sure about that. I don't really know. But sometimes I would, if I was frustrated, I would write in my journal and I would be, I would write things like, you know, zero Fs given, like back up the track, stop giving a excuse my language. You're fine. And let the dad do it and let Hamish do the you know, this is not working. You can't just go in and take over, you know, but it didn't, I don't know why that was. I don't think it was because I thought the girls don't need parenting. It was only because I couldn't cope with the situation. I was just constantly tense. I felt like if somebody asked me how I was, I was just going to burst into tears and say I was terrible. It was so hard. And when you're a stepmom, you can't say that to people because they automatically they, you know, you can't say like you can with your own children. Oh my God, the kids are driving me crazy. You cannot say that as a stepmom unless you're talking to another stepmom. Right. <laughs> yep. You're right. Amen. Yeah. And, and then they and give you the the wonderful advice of, well, you just need to love them more. Mm. You just need to do this more. You need to do that more. It was it. It's like saying, okay, Carolyn, I know that what you're trying is not working, but if you keep trying it more, it will work. <laughs> I know. And my sisters, you know, also for me, I had to backtrack in time. So my youngest was 14. And then when I moved in with my partner, I'm going back five years in the parenting. So I'm I'm coming back to all of those little habits that I had parented out of my children. And I found that so difficult. And I would talk to my sisters at times, you know, they were they were the people I would vent to, which I do that a lot less these days because I realize they don't have the space for it. But, <laughs> you know, in the early days, my sister would say to me, but don't you remember your kids used to do that? And I'd be like, no, they didn't. They were perfect. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you just forget. You forget all those little things that you complained about and then all of a sudden you're complaining about them again and it it was so difficult for so long. I mean, sometimes I thought, why did I do this to myself? But I never really thought I'm going to pack up my bags and leave. Mm. You know, I thought I knew myself now. 
before I moved in, but I definitely have met myself. It definitely makes you more self-aware of all aspects of your life. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, you you may have heard me say this in some of the past episodes, but it seems that teachers, coaches, people Mm -hmm. that have careers around children tend to have the biggest struggle. And I think Mm -hmm. that's because they approach the step family like they approach their career or their job role, similar to how we do it when we're approaching it like we did with our nuclear family and we think it's going to work. Well, you think you've got experience with kids, so you're set. You're one step above everybody else. That's it. But it's really just like a relationship, like just like you need to get to know your partner, you also need to get to know your stepkids. And that just takes time. It's just about smoothing out the kinks along the way, isn't it? And learning what buttons are getting pushed and what buttons not to push. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think two people make the mistake of gauging everybody's relationship based on one relationship. So you kind of feel like, well, I got a great relationship with my significant other, so the kids should be okay. Right. And it's like, no, these are all individual relationships and some of them, Mm -hmm. and they go at very different speeds and some of them, you know, go much faster than the others and you can't gauge them all the same. Yeah. The relationships I have with your kids are different for each one. The relationships I have with my own kids are different. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So how how do the kids get along? Um, They get along pretty well. I I don't recall any major scraps between my kids and my partner's children. But I definitely, for my children, I feel, I don't know, I I tried to approach the situation with a lot of empathy for them. And I would often visit them in their rooms and talk to them in private and just say, hey, I know, I know this is strange. You know, we're living in a new house, we're living with other children. And it's okay if you're frustrated or angry or whatever. I don't care. Just whatever you're feeling is okay. But, you know, my kids being teenagers, they're they're sort of, I don't know, when you're parents of teenagers that you're cool for five minutes and then you're not cool for 95 minutes, you know, (laughs) like, so, and they're a bit like that with the stepkids. At times they will let them in and then my stepkids, they just lap it up. They love the attention from my children, but my kids are pretty reserved. So while I think the younger children have been more open to having the elder kids around, but then my kids are just slowly settling their way in, and I'm okay with that. I think it was difficult for my partner because he just felt like, and in some ways it still feels like that at times, you know, we're just two families living under one roof, and I'm okay with that. But I mm-hmm. think he likes, he would like a bit more unity, you know. Well, and that will come with time. And, so. But there will always be some type of separation because you are two different families trying to come together. Yeah. But yeah, for the most part, the kids get along. I wonder if your stepkids have ever, especially the younger one, Mm -hmm. has ever looked at your kids and thought, man, they've got a mom and Mm. I don't. Or Mm. even with the older stepkid, I wish my mom was still here to hug me goodnight Mm. and Mm -hmm. tell me goodnight and stuff. I mean, they may not talk to anybody about that, but we have seen where in similar situations where the moms pass that the stepkids like, well, it's great that you have a mom and all and she's here for you, but I don't have one. And yeah. her doing those things for you, you know, you doing the things for your kids is almost a reminder to them that their mom's not there. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. And and I think that happens on both sides. It definitely happens with the eldest stepdaughter. I see that a lot. I feel, I think I, 
I'm quite a sense when I said I was a sensitive person, I can feel that if I'm giving my my own daughter the love, you know, I can feel I need to share that with her as well because she definitely feels that loss. And while she's got a quite a strong connection with her own mom, you know, she does want that from me as well. But I, I think that her relationship with me and and mine with her, that, that's been the most difficult for me because she's very close to her father. And oftentimes I don't know where she's coming from in terms of she makes it obvious that she would prefer things to happen from her father, which is fine. But oftentimes I know that this this is where I need to improve on at the moment is actually, you know, opening myself up to the fact that I need to go in there a bit more and be that mothering gentle side that she needs at times. I am there for her at times, but other times she doesn't. I don't know if the opportunity is there for it. But also I want to say for my own kids as well, when a parent dies, you get a lot of sympathy and, you know, the community wraps around you, especially for children. They they kind of try to fill the gap in some in some ways, you know, there's a lot of attention that goes to a child of a parent who's died, but maybe I'm focusing on my children because this is what, you know, what your ego does is what about me? What about me? But I also feel like my kids have a loss too. And my kids, their dad moved away and he didn't die. He left, you know, which is kind of the same sort of loss. So at times I try to communicate that with my partner to say, you know, my kids have suffered a loss too. And actually in some ways it's worse because dad actually moved away. You know, he made a choice. Whereas their mum, she never would have gone anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and that's, yeah, that's been interesting. I kind of changed the topic a wee bit, but. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Cause they're, they're sitting there thinking my dad has the ability to reach out and chooses not to every single day. Yeah. And they have to live with that. Yeah. I mean, they do have a good relationship with him, but he still moved town. And to me, I don't know about you, but as a mom, I just couldn't do that. No, no way. Mm-mm. Yeah. I'd be moving next door. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Go ahead and try that. Yeah. Go move next door to your ex. Yep. And put, a, <laughs> put a string up with a little can on the end, talk to Jackson. Little <laughs> opening in the fence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> try not to get shot by the ex. <laughs> by a duplex. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> No. Yeah, we we talk sometimes with people who they live in the same neighborhood as their ex. In the, I mean, the kids can literally walk through the backyard to their exes. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that would be convenient for a lot of things, but it would be problematic for a lot of things too. Yeah, right. I mean, it would need to work, wouldn't it? It just depends on the individual. Yeah, I can see it now. The kids get mad. Well, I'm going to my mama's and traipsing through the backyard or. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're not home. Sorry. <laughs> Everybody cut the lights off. <laughs> Lori, the first thing that made, that drew me to you was when I listened to your podcast and you were saying you were sitting in the car one day and you were, you said, oh, dear Lord, please let that tree fall on my car. <laughs> and I, I honestly, it was like, it was like a light turned on for me and I thought, oh, my God, I have felt like that. You want a disaster to happen so that you don't go back into that intense feeling of uncomfortableness. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I just love that so much. Go in the convenience store and be like, I hope they get ready to get robbed. <laughs> Please get really ill and go to hospital so I don't have to be at home. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And it's silly. You don't want to be sick. You just you, you just, just want feel a break. Yeah. Yeah. You just want a break. You want things to be calm for a change. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> David doesn't understand that because he enjoys hecticness. 
Hecticness? Uh, yep, that's a word. I just made it up, y'all. Hecticness. <laughs> I've never heard hecticness. Hec- yeah, the state of being hectic. I, I, I yes. understand what you're saying. <laughs> didn't know it was a thing. It is. All right. Well, think yeah, about think- it. With all the kids, you were used to... Chaos. Yes. That's what it's called. Just Chaoticness. <laughs> it's just chaos. Chaos. Yeah. <laughs> David likes chaos. Is that what it is? Yep. No. It's just your comfortable zone. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Chaos. Yeah, my partner has he has a chaos zone too. Like I, when I moved in, I think the biggest thing for me and my children was we didn't know how quiet our house was until we moved into the loud house. <laughs> loud. And everything was loud and shouting and just talking about everything loud. And it doesn't help that my partner's a little bit deaf either, so he actually has a louder than normal voice. And the know. loud house. Yeah. Oh man, I wish loud. I would have thought of that. Well, we. My house was loud because the kids were all trying to talk at the same time. Mm-hmm. Now, but they're all moved out now. It's still a loud house because for some reason, Lori and her son think that they can carry on conversations <laughs> from one end of the house to the other with the doors closed between them. And they will try to have a conversation. That's yeah. so funny. Until Jackson goes, I can't hear you. <laughs> yeah. That I mean, sounds like our house. <laughs> I'm like, what are y'all doing? You're yelling at each other with the doors closed. What's funny is David would complain about that. And then he would go stand at the bottom of the steps and holler upstairs for his kids. Yeah, but that's different because. It was you. Well, that and <laughs> uh, there were no doors on the rooms upstairs. And so honestly, you could be talking downstairs and they would hear it upstairs. <laughs> That's funny because you could holler for them and they never responded. No, that was to you. They never responded to you. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was to you too there, buddy. See, you forgot all those things already. Uh, yeah. As as uh, Carolyn would say, my kids were perfect. Yes. Mine is too. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how much contact does your ex have with your kids? I mean, as far as you know, do they text or communicate on a regular basis, since he doesn't see them that much. Well, because they're you know they're teenagers and they've got their own phones, they do they do communicate with their dad. And I don't think it's a lot, but you know they probably Snapchat him and talk. I don't know. They might talk maybe once or twice a fortnight, I suppose. But they definitely just keep in touch with the odd snap. But the communication has never been been a lot, right? But, and I think initially my focus was to say to them, you know, hey, dad loves you so much even though they felt the loss, because I knew that he loved them so much as well. You know, he he moved away for a reason, which was to feel a bit better, and that's fine. Like There was never any doubt in my mind that he didn't love the kids as much as I did, and I wanted them to know that. So I still think even though the communication isn't the same as me being right beside them, they still know that their dad loves them to bits. Yes, yes, and yeah. that's important. Yeah. It is important. It's so important. So many people will will do just the opposite and and try to make it a a, a game, you know. Oh, your mom's not picking you up because you know she doesn't love you like I do, or or your dad, you know. And it just it it yeah. might make you feel better that oh you're winning, but you're doing it at the expense of your kids. That's it. And also, I forgot to mention my eldest son. His dad is not the parent is not the dad of my other two children. So he has a different father. And when I was overseas and I was 24 and I was teaching in London, I accidentally got pregnant, which was, you know, a great, <laughs> great news for my parents. Can you imagine? Yeah, Laurie did that too. 
Yeah. I don't know how people accidentally do that. It's like, I'm just walking along one day and bam. <laughs> yeah. I'm coming home. So, um, you know, for me, I had the experience of parenting with somebody else who was far away. And so with that dad, you know, him and I made the goal of, hey, we're not going to be together, but we don't want this to be a big deal for our child. We want a happy kid. And I think we were both from similar families with similar values. So we knew how devastating it could be if you didn't have a parent there. And so we we just made the best of that situation. So I think I had a little bit of practice in that respect in terms of supporting my ex-husband because we just, you know, we didn't, I mean, we obviously there's, you know, there's stuff that you've got to deal with when you end a marriage. But for us, I never wanted my kids to be damaged from him and I yelling at each other or me saying, I hate your father or, you know, any of those things. And I, I even went, and this is true. I said to them, I still love your dad. You know, he's your dad and I love him, but we just can't be married. And I think that has been good for us. You know, plus I also had that experience with my elder son where we we just prioritize the kid. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that doesn't happen for everybody. But And maybe it happened because I come from a family where there's good, open, honest conversation. I mean, to the point where sometimes it's too much, like there's no secrets. <laughs> mm-hmm. But at least we can have, we can actually, we need to, we say what we need to say. And I, I'm not the sort of person, and maybe that's my difficulty with being a stepmom is actually, if I've got something on my mind, I just can't bury it in the garden. I actually have to say it. Otherwise, it will be a volcanic eruption if I leave it. I used to be like that. Yeah. And let me tell you a trick that helped me mm-hmm. is before I said it, I would think, is this going to benefit anyone? Mm-hmm. Is this going to change anything? Is this coming from a place of love or anger? That's it. Because if it was coming from a place of anger, nobody was going to benefit from it. Nothing was yeah. going to change. And when you're a stepmom, you know, you don't want those sorts of situations to happen. And you put in that position where you actually think, I've got to deal with this. Because otherwise, this is going to be consistent moving forward, isn't it? You actually have to say, you know, this is not the hill I'm going to die on. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thank so, you, Laurie. So your oldest son, his father lived in a different country? Yes, he, he lived in London for um, some years, and now he lives in Ireland. That's where he's from. And how often does your son get to see him? Well, back when my son was born, that we hadn't we didn't have Skype. We started to get the odd look. Uh, he bought a web camera when my son was about one, and this was like brand new technology, and I sort of thought, well, how do you use this thing? I don't mm-hmm. even know what this is. And um, we used it a couple of times, and then Skype, they used to communicate quite a lot on that. and and then. You know, my um, he, he's been a great dad, really. He has been, if you can think of an example of a dad who lived far away who made the best effort, he has, he's done that. He's, my son is so lucky. You know, he would come and visit, and my son, he went to, to stay with his dad when he was five years old. My parents were going overseas. They were going to the UK, and so they took my son for five weeks, and I cried every single day. Mm-hmm. But I knew it was awesome for my son to spend that time with his dad, and his whole family just embraced him and you know, I'm so very grateful that in some ways, you know, he's got two loving families on, on both sides of the world. You know, he's a kid of the planet and (laughs) I don't know if that happens all the time. And I just think I'm so very lucky that his dad and I decided let's prioritize this kid. And you can actually be a good parent from a distance. And and having that example was how I knew that my own kids would be okay. And you just touched on something that so many people don't get. 
we will see the stepmom's home with the stepkid and feels like that she has to do everything for them when the dad's just working down the road and he can call those kids on his break and tell them to do their homework or tell them to do their chores. Your ex was able to be a good parent to your son across the pond. That's it. That's it. And the same with my ex-husband. He he does the same. At times when I need him, I'm like, hey, Ollie needs a dad. He needs a chat with dad. He's being a dad. Can you ring him up? And and, and he's good. He, he comes to the party, and it's great. Yeah, that's good. I remember David's ex called one time and said that he needed to talk to one of the kids that they weren't listening to her. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even remember. Did you talk to him? I think you did. Yeah, I think I did one time, but it happened more than that. Because I I do recall once me saying, look, this is your problem. You've got to figure this out. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't be there to bail you out of your inability to parent these kids. Yeah. You know, I kind of felt like through a lot of my divorced years that I was trying to teach her how to parent, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which sounds crazy because you, you would think that her being their mom and she was a at home stay at home mom that she would have it you know a better relationship with them than I did and parent them better than I did but that wasn't the case mm-hmm. and perhaps too she's only she's doing what she knows right so you might have had the benefit of a good mom but she might not have and she's just doing what she knows so yeah but there's nothing like being told you hey you've got to stand on your own two feet and put your big girl undies on <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah there's there's a point at which, and this goes toward a lot of things in life, but there's a point at which you're not helping somebody anymore. You're actually in the way of them learning. Or you're enabling them to not learn. Yeah. So I've, you know, I've done that before with, you know, trying to help somebody financially. At some point you're not helping anymore. You're actually hurting them because they're not learning their lesson. That's it. And that comes with like me venting to my sisters. I got to the point where I could feel that they just didn't have that space anymore. And I was like, oh, no, these girls are my life force. (laughs) What am I going to do? I can't talk to the tree. Yeah. I did actually talk to the tree. (laughs) Yeah. That's when you go, well, please follow my car. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. So what was the clue when you would call your sisters that they didn't have enough space? Is it because they would answer the phone and say, what, Carolyn? No, they weren't answering. They would just text back and say, I'll call you back later. And never call back. (laughs) I think I just felt like a sense of resistance from them, you know, and I also kind of picked up on the fact that I thought we've been here before, you know, I'm on repeat here. And if you're on repeat and I know, you know, from my experience of talking to other people, if I think they're on repeat, I'm thinking I got a sense of, uh uh-oh, I'm on repeat and this is boring to them and I'm not listening. Mm -hmm. And they're running out of patience. And I really felt that. And and for a while, I just got, I got sad and I felt so lonely because I thought, well, I need to talk to my sisters and, and they don't understand because they're not a stepmom, you know, and I, mm-hmm. and I really didn't know a lot of stepmoms. And I think that's when I really dug deep into just looking for podcasts and Instagram pages where there's support for step parents. And it was, I didn't want to bitch and moan about the kids. I just wanted support to feel better because I wanted to do a better job. Yeah. Right. Well, and there's a difference. Yeah. There is a difference. One thing that we do see sometimes, though, that kind of backfires on people is they they run to the people they love to complain about the other people they love, <laughs> which creates animosity between the two. Because, for example, 
if I ran to, to my parents and complained about Lori, they would start developing resentment toward Lori. Mm-hmm. And then, yes. and then once I've made up with Lori, we're in a better place. My parents were still mad at her. You know, they, mm-hmm. they still have this resentment toward her for what happened. Mm-hmm. And, and so you end up creating this, these very different feelings with one side of the people that you love toward the other side because of it. That's it. Yeah. And that even happens with your kids. Your kid does something to hurt you and you are so quick to forgive them once things have calmed down. Whereas Mm -hmm. I'm like, you don't remember what they did to you, Mm -hmm. but I do understand they're your kid. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, That definitely happens. That's mm-hmm. what's nice about unconditional love, isn't it? And I think that's what you fight when you're a step parent. You you want that, but you doesn't it doesn't come easily. Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come naturally. Yeah. No. For some people. And you can have comes. all the love in the world and be Mother Teresa and, you know, the Dalai Lama. I don't like I used to think, I know all of those things. I know about love and kindness and how come I'm not feeling that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially you being an empath, that probably was even more weird for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Being an empath is not easy. No, it is not. And I'm just coming to terms with the fact that it's okay that I cry about stuff, you know, (laughs) and I've got to love that about me. And, you know, at times I, it's good that you understand someone's suffering because you you might be there for someone who needs you one day, but at the same respect, you've just got to accept the fact that you might have a bit of suffering yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your significant other probably doesn't watch TV with you because you cry at every show. (laughs) Well, he likes to watch, you know, guns and murder, and and I like to watch love stories and happy endings, <laughs> movies that make you cry. And so I can see he will suffer through a, a chick flick with me. Yeah. yeah, but sometimes I cry at just the beauty of a firearm. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, that was such a a beautiful kill. Okay. <laughs> You know, my partner would be exactly the same. We've got duck shooting coming up in New Zealand, which is a massive open day, and it's like a, a, a big deal for most of the hunting blokes. And my partner is going duck shooting next weekend, and, well, there's nothing more emotionally beautiful for him. Yeah. <laughs> I've got this shotgun that I bought recently, and I was showing it off to somebody uh, the other day, and I was like, isn't this beautiful? <laughs> it's like a work of art. <laughs> Lord what do you man. think, Laurie? You like that murder weapon? I, I do like the guns, but oh, good. I don't look at them as beautiful. I'm like, those are cool. <laughs> Not like my flowers, you know. Yeah. I bought these flowers the other day for myself, the hanging baskets outside, and I look at them and I'm like, they're so pretty. <laughs> and I wanted to say, you said that you talked to the tree. Mm-hmm. I talked to lizards. Oh, that's nice. I talked to any animal that I thought was looking my way because I needed somebody to hear me crying on that front porch about how miserable I was. Right. And they probably were listening to you, Lori. They were. That's why they all left. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I knew that my mom wouldn't understand Mm -hmm. because she just wouldn't. She loved David, so... She was a good woman. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't have any friends that were really in a step-family relationship. Because they love me, too. (laughs) Except for this one. You're a dreamboat, David. Yes, he is. (laughs) Boy, I won the lottery on this one. Yes, you did. I don't know how you did it. I don't either. Recon. (laughs) What? Um, (laughs) But I did have this one friend 
But I almost got to the point sometimes that I was tired of hearing it. So I knew mm-hmm. she was. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. almost like somebody would say, how are you doing? Or what's going on with the stepkids? And you're like, God, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't yeah. even want to relive the hurt and emotion that I have for all this. Angry all over again. Yeah. Well, that's good. Don't you feel like that's almost part of getting better? Saying it all over again? No, that you don't want to talk about it. That you know, you like you've had enough. You know. I think in some ways, but in other ways, it was just more of out, out of frustration. Yeah, like they're not hearing you. Yeah, because I know yeah. when David and I actually tried to do this podcast. Well, we've been doing it almost three years now. So mm-hmm. I don't know, six, seven years ago. Yeah, we 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 started the podcast six or seven years ago. Initially, I think we got three episodes in, and I couldn't do it. Yeah. It brought up so many bad memories that after we would record, I would just go to bed and my mind would just spiral with all those negative thoughts. And, you know, I I thought to myself, I'm like, well, we're in a much better place. So Mm -hmm. I didn't understand it. But I think it's because you're trying to help other people and you pick up on their stuff. So I would read a story in the Facebook group. And I would be mad at my stepkids for something that somebody else's stepkids did to them. Mm-hmm. She stay mad at me. <laughs> That's easy to do. Yeah. Sometimes she wakes up in the mornings like, you cheated on me last night. <laughs> and I'm not happy with you. Don't talk to me right now. I'm like, what? You're in the dog box. Yeah. I know. I'm like, I'm sitting there minding my own business. Then I remember what happened when she was minding her own business one day. <laughs> As the story goes. <laughs> That's how she got pregnant. <laughs> uh-huh. yep. I wasn't minding my own business. Her, her, uh, her. <laughs> Let's ex, not go down this her path. Her said, "I was just sitting there minding my own business," <laughs> and she got pregnant. I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> so I'm careful uh-huh. not to use that term, minding my own business, because mm-hmm. that might mean something else. <laughs> yeah, I'll go there. Yeah, don't go there. Yeah, like I wouldn't go to London and visit because you know might come back knocked up. <laughs> I love London. We plan to go back one day. Great city. Who's we? Yes. I've never been. Well, we, me and myself <laughs> and I. <laughs> well, now that we got contacts in New Zealand, I'm gonna come I'm gonna go see the Kiwis. Yes, come to New Zealand. It's a beautiful place. Did you say what are the Kiwis? Uh-huh. Oh, Carolyn, do you want to tell her what the Kiwis are? Is it a Kiwi? Do you not know what a Kiwi is, Lori? Yeah. Is that where they come from? Not the kiwi fruit or the kiwi bird? Oh, I was thinking fruit. Okay, well, I'm going to send you uh, a little picture of a kiwi bird. Well, you should just Google it. They're, little, they're flightless birds. They're a native bird. So that's why we get called a kiwi because we associate with kiwi because it's a native bird to New Zealand and it's this little flightless bird. It's nocturnal and it's got a massive, big, long, skinny beak. Mm-hmm. It's really cute. Yeah. Is it a really bird? Is it really a bird if it can't fly? Yeah. Well, is like a penguin a, chicken. a bird? Chickens can it fly. It has wings. Yeah, it has wings, but it's flightless. So Flightless yeah. bird. Yeah, yep. and, and those are the kiwis, which you sometimes if you see the kiwis, well, in New Zealand we see them a lot. We see kiwi, and it's just, you know, it makes you think of New Zealand, really. Yep. So that's what they call people from New Zealand. They call them kiwis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did not know that. Look, I it's learned not because something of the kiwi fruit. Because the kiwi fruit is actually originally from China. It's Did the, not know that either. Oh my lord! It looks like an anteater. <laughs> <laughs> it does. They're so cute, though, and and I mean they're limited in their numbers, 
So it's pretty rare to see a kiwi in the wild and you have to go to specific places to see them, but they're quite lovely. Oh, they don't even have wings, do they? Yeah, pretty sure. Well, it is a bird. Oh, geez, I'm looking at the pictures on Google and it doesn't look like they have wings. Oh, wait. Well, no, it doesn't, does it? I don't know. It looks like a cross between a mole and an anteater. <laughs> and a, a chicken or something. A duck. Yeah, yeah, duck. yeah. Yeah, well, it's definitely feathery. It's got little whiskers, too. Yeah, they're pretty cute. They're pretty cute. <laughs> Only their mother would say that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. All right, y'all, look up kiwi. Everybody look up a kiwi bird. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. And they're about the size of a domestic chicken. Yeah, they are. Oh, they look tiny in here. Yep. Learn something new. You do. The, The Department of Conservation spends quite a bit of time sort of trying to bring up the chicks. They, you know, they number they number all the birds and monitor them pretty closely. So they're protected. They're a protected yes, species. Yes, because there's a lot of pests and things that, that are a danger to them. Oh wow! Mm. Huh? Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you for sharing that. You're very welcome. So, yeah. We're going to donate to the Kiwi Bird Foundation. <laughs> the Kiwi Come Bird on. Foundation. <laughs> yeah, we got to save the kiwi birds. Yep. We do. So oh, all thanks. the all the proceeds on this episode will go to the Kiwi <laughs> Foundation. You guys should feel very proud of yourselves. <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, just for those wondering, you cannot own a Kiwi bird as a pet. No, that's true. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. no, David, you're not getting one. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. No. Well, Carolyn, what would you say you would share as advice if you had a lady that came up to you in a restaurant and said, I saw your stepmom light on above your head. (laughs) I'm getting ready to be in a relationship with a man with kids. Give me some advice. What would you say to her? Mm, I would say get a counselor and I would say, just make sure you're up for the challenge, you know, like it's going to be a challenge, even if you think you know yourself, you will learn new parts of yourself that you didn't think were in there. Mm-hmm. And really, the you know, I guess the outcome is up to you. But I also speak from a place that doesn't deal with a high conflict ex. You know, that's not a part of our lives. And so for us, I don't really know that side of things. So I right. think every situation is different. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. Yeah. But I would definitely say get a counsellor, have somebody who is, is a neutral person that you can talk to, and often they're a voice of reason. Maybe it, it takes a while to, to potentially find someone who's the right person, but, you mm-hmm. know, I talked to a lady and she's, she's great. And I think that's really helpful. And, and, and maybe just, you know, do what you can to build a sense of community, even if it's Instagram or listening to podcasts or anything like that. So that you, you've got a place where when you're feeling lonely, you feel less lonely. Because anything that comes up is normal, but it can be really, really difficult. Right. Mm-hmm. And I definitely agree with the counselor part. I was yeah. actually talking to an attorney one day, and he said he was in a meeting, and that one of the other attorneys said, oh, yeah, I started seeing a counselor 10 years ago, and I go once a week. It's the best thing I've ever done. He said, and then the next guy goes, oh, yeah, I go to mine once every two weeks. I might need to go once a week. And he said, all these attorneys start talking about it. 
And he was like, oh, I'm scared. <laughs> All y'all are going to counseling. And they're like, it's the best thing that they can do because they deal with a lot of things that are difficult, painful, and they don't realize that they carry that stuff with them. And in order for them to want to get up and go to work the next day, they need to be able to talk through those things and they can't mm-hmm. legally talk to their wives about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's becoming more common. I don't know what it's like in the States, but in, in New Zealand, it's it's probably traditionally been a very private thing. It's not something that you would expose about yourself that you see a counsellor, you know. But I think that because lately there's been quite a big focus on mental health and talking about stuff and you know, I feel like I'm at a place where I, I'm okay to say, hey, I talked to somebody and, you know, she's really helpful. Whereas mm-hmm. I don't think even maybe two years ago, I wouldn't have been ready to say that. But, you know, I would 100% recommend that somebody just has a counsellor because, you know, they are a voice of reason. They've got the training. They they understand the right way to point out to you where you might like to see things differently. Mm-hmm. Right. And two. I do think things are changing in the United States about that, too. It's not as taboo to have a counselor or a therapist. Mm-hmm. But I do yeah. caution people with, especially Facebook, you can yeah. let somebody else's stories trigger you mm-hmm. and fire up your anger. So be careful that you're not sitting there wallowing in somebody else's mess Mm-hmm. and just feeding yeah. your own hurt because that's not healthy. And it's okay to vent. Yeah. But, but you do, you do. Have, I have been through that too. Oftentimes if I listen to a podcast, it would make me think about a situation that was similar to mine and then I'd be mad about that again. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not healthy. Yeah. It's easy to do, but that's one of the things that, you know, we teach in the Nacho Kids Academy is how to take those negative thoughts and turn them into positive thoughts. That's it. That's it. And hey, what's this teaching me? And what's so bad about right now? Right. What is happening right now? And also keeping in mind that you're the adult, you know, these kids need you to teach them how to make good choices. And if you want to do a good job, like I do, I actually have to model that. And, you know, in the early days, I did not model that very well. And I'm still learning, Mm -hmm. you know, there's still times when I want to run off to my room and shut the door. And, you know, it's really hard to sit there in an uncomfortable situation and sit there and do the right thing when you're raging mad. Mm -hmm. And that's when you go, oh, bathroom break. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That's it. You know, and I'm, you know, everyone learns, don't they? You learn how how you get about that is totally up to you. Maybe it is that. Maybe you go for a bathroom break or maybe you make a joke or. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, this is awkward. Yeah, my son used to say that when people would talk about things that he wasn't interested in, that he would play Minecraft in his head. Perfect. <laughs> it, or it it's is. like counting the hats in church, isn't it? It's like yes. when just finishing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Counting the ceiling tiles. Yeah. That's it. And actually, I have an example. Um, I I used to get mad at my daughter because we, uh, my stepdaughter, because we have a dog, as, and it's an outside dog. And I have come from a, a home where we didn't have a dog, so I like dogs, but I'm not really a dog inside the house person mm-hmm. and um, oftentimes she wants the dog to come inside but the dog is a big dog and it wags its tail and it's you know it's it's a better dog for being outside and oftentimes she would sort of open the door a bit and let the dog in a little bit and I over time I've seen that I know that she lets the dog in if I'm not there just even if it's just to sit on the carpet and one time I had shut the door on the dog and, and, and for her you know she sees it like I'm shutting the dog out of the family Whereas mm-hmm. for me, I just 
don't want the dog inside. But um, I left the dinner table once after shutting the door because the dog was coming inside. And then I went to my room. And then when I left the room, my stepdaughter opened the door and the dog came in. And, you know, I got, I got mad at my stepdaughter because I said, you know, you just waited till I left. And then you opened the door after you'd seen me shut it and put the dog out because you thought now that I'm not there, it doesn't matter. And when I talked to my counsellor about the fact that I was mad about it, she said, we talk about maybe a different way of looking at things. So what I could have done instead of getting mad with her was saying, oh, I know you really love your dog. Let me get the door for you and you can go outside and play with him mm-hmm. rather than me getting growly. And, and as an adult, you need to, you actually need to, you need to model that to your kids, don't you? Otherwise you're still basically a child in a big person's body. That is a good point. Yeah. You know, yeah. Dealing with those things, it takes skill to do that. And I think that's where counselors and the coaches and therapists, mm-hmm. I think that's where they come in is they, they help you look at things and go, okay, this is what happened. Let's look at some other ways you could have handled this. And after you do that a few times, you start doing it kind of live. Like when something happens, you start asking yourself, is this the best way to handle that? Mm-hmm. What if I do this and this happens? And that, mm-hmm. that little bit of pause gives you what you need to to start making better decisions. And then you don't react to things. You then start responding, which is a very different outcome. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's just the journey of getting to know yourself. Yeah. Yep, it is. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. But look how much you've grown. I yep. know. Isn't it great? It is. <laughs> yep. It really is because it has changed me so much and in a positive way. I no longer get upset about cars riding my butt driving down the road. Yeah. I no longer let things make me mad for an extended period of time. If I'm going to be mad, be mad. It's okay to be mad. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you don't want to be like a volcano and erupt. Go mm-hmm. outside, be mad, talk to the dog. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the dog, I'm mad, and this is why I'm mad. And mm-hmm. after a few minutes, you're like, okay. I'm I'm done. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the clock and you're like, I've still got three more minutes to sit here and complain. But don't let things steal your joy. And especially don't spend so much time trying to point out what your stepkids are doing wrong that you miss out on a relationship with your own kids or your significant other. That's right. And actually, you bring up a good point, Laurie, because there was a really big moment for me with my own daughter we, her and I were driving to the supermarket and I had been, my stepdaughter had done something that had made me, made me cross. And I was having a vent about it. I didn't, I didn't give her specifics, but I just mentioned the fact that I was a bit mad at my stepdaughter and my own daughter was feeling quite close to the stepdaughter, they were hanging out quite a lot and doing stuff. And I could tell that I defended my stepdaughter by saying those things. And I thought, hang on a minute, she doesn't have the space for this. And she's actually, I'm venting about something that, you know, that's affecting my daughter and I don't want that. So I had to stop that. And that was good for me. I'm so glad I, I picked up on that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't think if I hadn't had the awareness that she was she didn't want to hear it, and it wasn't like I was in a habit of venting to her. I, d- I don't even know what it was, but I just thought, oh, my gosh, I can't talk to my daughter like this. I actually can't, and I shouldn't, and stop it. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to apologize. Totally. And, I, and it was good because it stopped me doing that. Mm-hmm. You've come a long way, baby. I have, haven't I? I need to print myself a certificate. <laughs> yes, you do. We should all do that. 
But I think, what else have I got to learn? You know, I'm only three years in. I can't wait to figure out what else I need to know. There's always another corner, isn't there? Yes. Well, the beauty of it is, and this is where you have to embrace it, is you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and once you embrace that cliche term, you start to realize, wow, there's a whole bunch of learning to happen. And the more I know, the better off I am and everybody around me. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. Yes. And what we yeah. learn, we can pass on to our kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And, the, and then they can ignore you and do their own thing. And then realize how <laughs> right you are and apologize later. <laughs> you got it. Yep. 20 years later. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Carolyn, thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast and sharing your story with us. We greatly appreciate it. Thank I you know. for having me. And speaking of not knowing what you don't know, you know, Lori learned what a Kiwi was. <laughs> yes, good. Woohoo. Well, it's it's funny because as you just said that, David, somewhere in the back of my brain, it said, you did know that, Lori. Oh, did you? I did, apparently. You might. <laughs> that's, that's what that little voice just told me. Yeah. Well, that's, that's how you know you're getting old when you say, I've forgotten more than I know. Yes. Mm. <laughs> that happens a lot. <laughs> Here's my car. Where's my car? Yeah. No kidding. Dude, Under the tree. <laughs> I did that the other day. Like I went to somewhere and I went into the place and got whatever I was going to get, came back out. Probably wasn't five minutes later. I'm like, I actually forgot where I parked in five minutes. <laughs> What's bad is I will look at the sign that says what row I'm on. <laughs> and then that's what I should do because by the time I get in the store, I'm like, crap, what was number was that? And I write on my hands constantly. You know, to remind wow. myself things. Go to the, pick up your prescription. Go to pick up Jackson's dry cleaning, and whatever. Yeah, and we both drive cars that are that a lot of people have, like a, mm-hmm. and same color and everything. So it's nothing for me to walk up to another car like mine and like I don't remember parking here. I'm like, oh wait a minute, it's not my car. Yeah, I've tried to get in somebody else's car before. <laughs> I think you were with me when I did that. They, it's called they part right beside us. The exact same kind of car, same color and everything, part right beside us, and I'm sitting in the car. And she goes up and pulls on the candle of the other car, and I'm just rolling laughing. (laughs) What can you do? Yes. Pretty funny. Mm Yeah. All right, Carolyn, thanks again. Welcome. I'll let you know when we release this and um, let us know if you have any questions or anything. But it's been great talking to you. Yeah, lovely to talk to you guys too. Thank you for having me. You've been a great help to me. Stay in touch. You can come back in three years and tell us what else you've learned. Yep. Awesome. Yes. (laughs) All All right. right. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. One thing that Carolyn talks about is how she took things the stepkids said personally. That is so easy to do. Yep. And we've talked about this before, especially if the stepkids say, I hate you, Carolyn. (laughs) That doesn't sound personal at all. Right. Or they leave a note, I hate you, stepmom. How do you not take it that personally? Because you step back and realize these kids are struggling, and it's not you, but it's what you represent. Mm -hmm. Now, let me say, I will add something. If you are like the evil stepmother in Cinderella, it (laughs) might be you. It might very well be you. So I can't say it always isn't you. (laughs) Yep. That would be funny, though. Somebody's like, see, it ain't me. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's what I represent. Yeah, it's what I represent. And (laughs) I represent the evil stepmother on Cinderella. (laughs) Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know the hardest part of all this, though, and you've mentioned it before, but it's always good to to go back and mention it again, that figuring out what place or what part you have in what's going on. So when you're having problems and your family's having blended problems or whatever, sit back and say, what, you know, what part do I have in this? Where, where is it that I'm contributing to this problem? And oftentimes you'll find that there's something there. That yeah, but a lot of people, and you know this, a lot of people will say, it's not me, it's those kids. Well, I'm sure they will. But that's why it takes, you know, really sitting down and thinking about it. I'm not saying that the kids aren't part of the problem, but rarely, rarely will you not be part of the problem in some way. May it be a small percentage of it, but something. It could be the fact that you're reacting to their, you know, problems in the wrong way. And so you're basically just causing the snowball to keep rolling. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, there's usually, everybody is usually playing their, a role and a part in it. But figuring out what your part is, is essential. Because I have yet to find a time when I could honestly say, oh my goodness, I can't believe you didn't play a single part in this problem. I've not found that yet. Well, and here's the thing. You being a majority of the problem can be looked at in a good way. Oh, Listen yeah. to me, folks. Listen to me. Hear me out. It just means that you have a strong presence. Well, it also means you have the ability to actually fix the problem. Right. If the majority of the problem is somebody else, you've got less power and control. If you are a majority of the problem, and I know people are like, I ain't me, but no, okay, hear me out. If you are a majority of the problem, then it's easier to affect change because you can control you. And you will be surprised once you lower your stress, how it affects everybody in your household, everybody at work, the poor lady at (laughs) Chick-fil-A. When you lower your stress, people notice a difference. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because when you're stressed, you take it out on everybody. Yes. David. Lord, Lord knows I do. I'll be driving down the road. Idiot, get out of the way. I know. <laughs> That's why the other day I was like, you need to let me drive. Yeah. We, we can't be playing this right now. It's probably a good thing they don't have like bumper cars on the road. <laughs> I would <laughs> yeah, do, that, that's a good be doing thing. that. Yeah, I would. I would definitely be bumping people. <laughs> I would too, but for fun, you would be doing it out of anger. <laughs> yeah. But that's the difference. But I don't get all road ragey. Like I it's not like I want to pull over and get out of my car or, you know, do something. Stupid. It makes when you get angry, it makes me want you to pull over and me get out of your car. <laughs> no, but it's not like yes. I'm, I don't I'm gonna record you and put it on here one day. Oh, it's funny, I'm sure. But it, it's yeah. scary. But I don't flip people off and do kind of crazy stuff like that. I just you know, I'll no, say, you can't do that around here. Somebody shoot you. Yeah, I wouldn't do it anyway. So it's not like, you know, even though I get angry with people as I'm driving, and it ain't road rage. It ain't nowhere near road rage. Well, so, I man, have to say, there's too many people that I've seen flip me off and cuss at me with their kids in the car, and I'm like, oh, good parental influence there. Yeah, but they're probably a stepmom, so it don't matter. 
No. <laughs> I like those people that that uh, cross the yellow line on my side of the road and they look at me like it was my fault. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, wait a minute, you just about hit me in my lane. You shouldn't have been over that far. I know. So anyway. Anyway. There's always room for improvement, even for me. Always room for improvement, even for David, y'all. I've got that on recording. For everybody. Everybody has room for improvement. Just yeah, a little but, bit. Just a little bit every day. If you're just a little bit of improvement every day is all it takes. I don't know if y'all remember any of this, but there in the beginning of our podcast, there were a lot of times that somebody would tell David, well, and it was probably because you were on more of the recordings then, but they'd say, you're right, David, you're right. And I'm like, oh my God, don't tell him that. <laughs> y'all don't understand what that does to my life. What? And so I got I got David a shirt that says, hashtag David is right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> I got me one too. But anyway, oh, that reminds me, y'all. If you do not know, we have a Nacho Kids store. Oh, yeah, we do. Yes, we do. Nachokids.com slash store. Maybe I should put the hashtag David is right shirt in there. Maybe you should. (laughs) Maybe you should. If anybody buys that, I'd be laughing. (laughs) There's actually a few that I want to um, add, so I need to get you to show me how you were doing that. But anyway. Yeah, go check it out. A lot of step family Memor- I said memorabilia. <laughs> it's a lot of step family stuff. <laughs> it's uh, t-shirts and coffee mugs and stuff like Sweatshirts that. Sweatshirts and stickers and, like you said, all kind of stuff. And they do have sales quite frequently. But pay attention if you order a shirt or a sweatshirt or anything. They will tell you if it runs small or whatever because sometimes you have to go up even two sizes. Mm-hmm. So just pay attention to that. But anyway, nachokids.com slash store. Yeah, I like the soft shirts. Matter of fact, I'm wearing one of them now. Yes, you are. I like the soft shirts. Yeah. But yeah, check them out. And if, uh, by the way, if you go there and you don't see something you're looking for, you'd like something, you know, let us know. Like we have, we've had people ask for certain types of shirts in the past, you know, something on it, they want it. And if it's, you know, if it's something that's not just unique to you. Like, for example, I don't want somebody to say, I want a shirt that says Felicia is a great stepmom. You know, that's a little too personalized <laughs> there. I'm not going to do that. But <laughs> other than that, I will consider it. Yeah. But if you want one that says, I am a freaking awesome stepmom. Yeah, I'll do we that. We can do one. that. I'll do that one. Yeah. yeah. How about a shirt that says, I'm part of the problem? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to start recording video on these so people can see my face when I respond or react to you. <laughs> How about I'm part of the solution? There you go. That might be better, David. <laughs> All right. All right. Come on. I'm ready to go get ice cream. Okay, let's go then. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. Be sure to join us next week. And uh, remember, life is good. When you nacho. And get ice cream. I was going to say that. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.